thanks guys and good morning to everyone that uh, is joining us online. It's great to uh, have this way to gather together. Uh, I think I've said it every week that we've been online at this point, but I'll say it again. Uh, I miss seeing you guys. I miss being able to gather and worship together. Uh, but I am thankful for the ways that we can uh, remain connected during this time. We are praying for you. Uh, so thankful to know uh, that God's spirit, the uh, same spirit that's in me, that's in each of us uh, here on staff is in you uh, and with you. Uh, and is able to speak to you and comfort you and guide you during this time. So grateful for that. Uh, I want to let you know uh, something that's coming up next week before I dive in, and that is that uh, we had announced right before uh, all of this sort of uh, unraveled uh, that we were hiring a worship pastor. And we had let everyone know that uh, Chris and Rachel Kincaid uh, were going to be joining our team this summer. Uh, they were actually planning to be in our service on uh, March 22nd, which was the first Sunday that we did not have services uh, at the high school. So we ended up, they postponed their trip, of course, uh, at that point. Um, and uh, we ended up uh, sort of delaying the announcement of that because there was so many other things going on at the time. But uh, we are still moving forward with that plan. Uh, they are the answer to uh, over a year's worth of prayers from our leadership. And they are still on the way. Uh, they're still planning to come uh, summertime, uh, make their way up to Homer, Alaska. And so next week, we're going to invite them on uh, and introduce them to you all uh, online. So uh, we'll look forward to that, uh, connecting with them, hearing from them. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to having them uh, here with us uh, come probably June sometime. So that's uh, next week. Uh, for this week, we, uh, we're in a, a three-part series called The Triple Threat, and that is uh, three significant threats to loving happiness uh, in your uh, most important relationships. All of us have like an idea in our mind of uh, what our best our closest relationships should look like, um, and uh, every one of us knows what it's like to have our reality uh, fall short of what we believe should be possible or should be attainable. Uh, well, we as believers, we know that God is love, and so we look to his example. Uh, we look to his word to uh, guide us in a better understanding relationships so that we can grow fully into uh, the goodness that God intended for us to experience in those relationships. So last week we looked at hurt and uh, this week we're going to look at anger. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just uh, introduce it a little bit, the, the topic. I'm going to give my own uh, definition, sort of a working definition of anger. Um, the dictionary definition is fine, but I want to I want to expand on that definition a little bit uh, because it'll help us understand the way that anger operates in a relationship. Um, <clears throat> so uh, we'll, we'll give it a little bit of context and definition, 
And last week I worked off of one story and the story was Job. This week I'm gonna draw from a number of different sources in the scripture, so it'll be a little more topical. Uh, but then I'm gonna offer you uh, three points um, uh, regarding anger um, that will kind of uh, hopefully shape your understanding uh, from the word of God of uh, both uh, how it operates uh, in our relationships and uh, what we need to do to uh, address um, anger if there is uh, anger in our life. So, uh, but uh, before we jump in, um, I'm going to uh, pray and then uh, we'll get going. All right, so let's pray. God, I ask that you would give us insight and wisdom, clarity, and uh, above all else, uh, through this whole series, uh, I ask that you would give us the humility required to um, acknowledge our own weaknesses, our own failures, and to embrace growth, to embrace your truth. So lead us in that now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, anger is, uh, is all throughout Scripture. Um, it is uh, the term uh, anger, both in the New Testament and the Old Testament, is, is used literally hundreds of times. There's, there's so many examples of stories that uh, include, as a part of that story, uh, anger and expressions of anger. Uh, when, at the very beginning of, of the Bible, uh, when, when Cain and Abel bring their offerings to the Lord, and Cain's offering is not accepted by the Lord. He doesn't bring it by faith. It says that his countenance fell and he became angry. And of course, we know that that, that anger ended up being sort of the fuel uh, for him murdering his own brother. Uh, there at the very beginning uh, of the biblical narrative. Uh, we uh, fast forward a little bit, a little bit later in the book of Genesis, is the story of Jacob. Jacob ends up with two wives, sort of by accident. Uh, two sisters, in fact. Uh, Rachel, who he wanted to marry, and Leah, who he was tricked into marrying. Well, they get married, and Leah is just popping babies out. And Rachel cannot uh, get pregnant. And she finally, uh, in, in a, out of frustration, comes to Jacob and says, you need to give me a child. And uh, the passage actually in Genesis 30 says that Jacob's anger burned against Rachel, against his wife. And he said, what am I God that I can just say the word and open your womb? Uh, husband and wife angry with each other uh, as a result of circumstances out of their control. <clears throat> the story of David and 1 Samuel David is sent by his dad with supplies uh, down to uh, the where the battlefront is, uh, supplies for his brothers, his older brothers. And when he gets down there, he ditches the supplies and he makes his way to the front lines uh, because he's very curious about what's happening down there. And his older brothers see this as, as arrogance, as like insolence. And the story says that they became very angry with him and told him, you need to go home and get out of here. <clears throat> story of Esther, one of the most, uh, I would say, intense and immediate 
uh, expressions of anger is when the king finds out from his wife, Esther, that Haman, his, his closest confidant, his most trusted advisor, that Haman had enacted a plot to kill Esther and all of her people. And there's this moment where the three of them are having dinner together. And, and Esther reveals that her and her people's lives are under threat. And the king says, who would do this to my wife and her people? And Esther points at Haman. And it says that the king was so immediately consumed with anger that he got up and he walked out of the room. And Haman, out of fear, begging for his life, falls on Esther. And when the king walks in, he sees Haman, essentially what appeared to be accosting his wife, his anger, in his anger, uh, Haman is immediately put to death. Anger is, uh, has a lot of sources, uh, comes from a lot of directions. Uh, anger uh, is, uh, is found in many different kinds of situations. But let's bring some definition to it. And then let's work off of that definition uh, to understand uh, better its place in our lives. So here's my working definition of anger. Um, it's two parts. The first part is this, that anger is, uh, at, its, at its core, it's intense displeasure. And that's kind of a dictionary definition. Uh, anger is intense displeasure. It's a bad, it's a bad feeling, right? Um, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a reaction to something that I, that I don't like. But uh, anger is more than that because uh, fear can be a form of intense displeasure. Hurt can be uh, a form of intense displeasure like we talked about last week. But anger is more than that. Uh, anger is an intense displeasure acting to destroy its cause or its source. Um, anger is, is not just the experience of intense displeasure, but it's a reaction to that displeasure that seeks to eliminate the source of that displeasure. So it's a, it's a reaction focused towards uh, destroying the cause of that displeasure. Now, destroying might be a little bit of a, a melodramatic word, uh, but bear with me and we'll kind of see how this plays out. So something like uh, hurt. Hurt is, can be intense displeasure but uh, without anger, meaning I'm not doing anything out of that displeasure to, to do anything towards what's causing that displeasure. I'm just hurting. Uh, but hurt can become anger, right? Uh, and when it becomes anger is when I start to act towards eliminating the source of that hurt. Um, fear. You can be afraid, which is another form of displeasure. You can be afraid without doing anything to eliminate the source of that fear. But in relationships, fear can become anger when I decide to take action to eliminate the source of my fear or to destroy the cause of my fear. Um, Exodus 15, 7, this is, this is uh, talking about God. In the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger and it consumes them destroying the cause of that anger. Exodus 32.10, 
This is God speaking. He says, this is after the people of Israel disobeyed by, uh, right after he had delivered them, they, they made an idol, a, a golden calf in order to worship because they had already bailed on God. God says, now then let me alone that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Uh, it's a really intense uh, story uh, that has a lot of facets to it. But uh, in both of those examples, we see that anger is directed towards eliminating its cause. Um, so now, and this is what we're going to unpack. There is an appropriate uh, expression of anger. There are sources of displeasure that require a response um, there are sources of displeasure that should be eliminated, that we should act to uh, get rid of. Um, but so let's let's look at uh, let's look at three truths that seem to, that I believe are borne out uh, in the scripture regarding anger. The first one is this: uh, anger is not to be our common response. Anger is not to be our common response. So Exodus 34, 6 says, the Lord passed by in front of him. Again, this is, uh, this is uh, in, when he met with Moses. Um, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. So this is right after the passage where, where he says, in my anger, I will destroy them. Um, God says about himself that he is a God that is, in fact, slow to anger. Psalms 103.8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in uh, loving kindness. Now, uh, slow to anger is not a statement uh, pertaining to the velocity at which we arrive at anger. Um, slow to anger speaks of the frequency of the response of anger, meaning that we, we, we don't get angry all the time because God does not get angry at everything that we do. God is slow to, to turn to anger in his response to us. That's not a first resort. Um, it's not saying that there are not situations that sh do not call for an immediate response of anger. That's not what he means by slow to anger. Uh, anger is not to be our common response. It's to be our uncommon response. Proverbs 16.32, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his own spirit better than he who captures a city. There is a... There is a a high level of skill required uh, to be to be slow to anger. Jumping to the New Testament, James 1, 19 through 20. This you know, my beloved brethren, by everyone, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Anger must not be your common response because the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. This is actually why uh, Jonah says that he protested uh, evangelizing the Ninevites in the book of Jonah. When he gets down there, he preaches to them, they repent, and God turns away uh, from uh, his anger. He points his finger at God and he says, I knew it. 
This is why I didn't want to come down here, because I knew that you are a God who is slow to anger. And that's, that's the only thing I'm interested in seeing, is you angry at these awful people. So uh, this is uh, a characteristic of God that we are called to emulate. Um, anger is not to be our go-to response. Um, anger is not to be our common response. Um, anger is to be our uncommon uh, response. So that's number one. Number two, anger is a destructive force that is difficult to carefully aim. Anger is a destructive force that is difficult to carefully aim. So I said in the beginning that anger is a form of uh, intense displeasure that, that acts to destroy its cause. So it is a destructive force. It's seeking to eliminate something that, that generated that displeasure, right? The challenge is, the challenge for us is that uh, anger is a powerful force. It is a destructive force that is very difficult to carefully aim, to carefully target. Let me unpack what I mean by that a little bit more. In Matthew 5.22, uh, Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. Whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. So in this whole passage in Matthew 5, what he's saying is that there has always been in place these external commands about external behavior, and yet he says that, that those behaviors actually begin in the heart. And one of them is um, uh, anger that seeks to destroy. And so when he says, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, you need to understand that that anger is interpreted, the, the kind of anger there is interpreted by what follows. And whoever says to his brother, you are good for nothing, you are a worthless person, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. So he says, um, the person whose anger is, is not carefully aimed. In other words, you've done something that's made me angry, but I want to eliminate you in your entirety. I want you out of the picture. I want you out of my, you're a source of displeasure to me. And rather than carefully aim my anger at a particular behavior, I'm just going to take you out. You are worthless. That's what he says, right? You are good for nothing. Jesus says, that's, that's sin. That's wrong to, to have that kind of anger. Because anger is a destructive force, it easily and often creates collateral damage. And anger that aims to destroy the person rather than the particular behavior, the scripture says uh, is sin. The challenge is, is that in expressing anger, it's very difficult to carefully aim that anger. I want to eliminate this particular behavior, um, this particular uh, kind of uh, action. Um, 
whatever it is that has caused this displeasure, I want that to stop. Anger is the force coming from me to make that stop. Jesus says, you need to understand something, that if in your anger you obliterate the person, that's, that's sinful. Anger easily and often creates collateral damage because it, because it is imprecisely aimed when it is expressed. Ephesians 4, 25, 26 says, Therefore, lie, laying aside falsehood, speak truth to each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. In other words, you need to say what is true to each other. And then he says, um, be angry and yet do not sin. So there are some things, so this is in the context of speaking the truth. He says there are some things that are true that you need to say. In fact, there are some things that are true that you need to say out of anger. And yet, you need to be careful uh, because anger easily uh, creates collateral damage. In your expression of anger, make sure that in your anger that you don't sin. The way that you sin is by doing harm beyond the exact, the precise uh, cause of your displeasure. Anger that is narrowly focused on its target can be expressed without sin. So uh, when you see injustice, when you see someone with power taking advantage of someone without power, that should make you angry. That should that should cause in you a reaction that, that uh, makes you want to eliminate or destroy that injustice, to get rid of it. So, so do that, but do that without sinning. When you, when you see someone uh, displaying grossly inappropriate behavior towards someone else, uh, maybe it's abusive behavior, that should make you angry because you should want that. That, that feeling of displeasure in seeing that, that, uh, that wrong thing, that feeling of displeasure should produce in you a desire to make that behavior stop. You should speak the truth. You should be angry and yet do not sin in your anger. There's a notion uh, that I hear quite frequently uh, in the context of parenting, and the notion is that um, your, your children should not see you angry. Um, that's, not, that's not borne out uh, by uh, the biblical description of anger and its appropriate place. There, there, is, uh, there is behavior in my children that should produce uh, an anger response because it's behavior that needs to be eliminated from their life, destroyed. Um, young children can exhibit malicious, um, even uh, um, abusive um, and, and grossly uh, disrespectful behaviors. Um, now, I recognize that those things are done in uh, 
I, I guess you could say in, a, in innocence, meaning they don't have the, the mental uh, faculties to fully grasp uh, the consequence of, of those behaviors, but they're inappropriate behaviors. And um, anger is an appropriate response to those behaviors. Uh, it's, it is a displeasure for me to see that behavior, and so I'm going to act in response to that behavior to eliminate that behavior. And sometimes that response is intense because of the intensity of the behavior. But that anger needs to be very precisely focused on the correct target, not on the whole person, not on the whole child. This action of yours um, is inappropriate and it makes me angry to see it because it's wrong. Uh, I, for, honestly, for me as a parent, um, the one, the, the, the response that uh, generates anger in me, you know, even uh, with my own children, is when there is um, harmful behavior towards someone else. That is not okay. And my child will know that I'm angry about that. But that anger needs to be very precisely focused on uh, dealing with that behavior, on eliminating or destroying that destructive behavior, not on the child. Uh, the child should not experience that anger in a way that makes them believe that I think that they're worthless. That's what that's what Jesus was addressing in Matthew. Be angry, but do not sin. Be angry and don't, don't allow your anger to cause collateral damage. That takes a great amount of skill and maturity and, and even practice over time. He says in Ephesians 4, speak the truth. Because we are members of one another. We're in this together. Uh, speak the truth. Be angry and do not sin. And then he says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Anger that is held on for too long creates pressure that makes it explode imprecisely. If, if you hold on to anger and, and in holding on to it, you feed anger rather than addressing it and expressing it appropriately. If you hold on to that over time, as the pressure from that anger builds, it becomes less likely that you'll be able to express that anger without doing collateral damage, without causing collateral damage. And so he says, don't, don't hold on to your anger for long periods of time. It's not, it's not healthy for you and it's not healthy for uh, the, the person who has, uh, who has caused your anger. But I want to add a little note here. Um, the statement, do not let the sun go down on your anger, should not be used as a torture device uh, in marriage. <laughs> and this is what I mean by that. Um, the, the scripture says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. It means deal with your anger. Um, it does not mean that someone else is required to stay up 
until three in the morning because you're angry at them. It does not mean that your, uh, your spouse is required by biblical command um, to, uh, <laughs> to listen to you work out that anger into the wee hours of the night. Uh, Jenny and I, a few years into uh, our marriage, realized the fruitlessness of this. And so we had to start setting a, a time limit on ourselves if we were working out an issue um, and we were angry. It was our experience proved that after about 10, 1030 at night, that we didn't gain any ground after that. And that if we, if we just let it go and then uh, reconvene the next morning, there was, there, was a, there was a pretty good chance that by the next morning, uh, we would not be able to remember fully uh, what was making us uh, angry with each other the night before. <laughs> and so that's not what the command, do not let the sun go down on your anger, means. Uh, that command uh, is, is instruction to ensure that anger doesn't grow and then uh, uh, reduce your ability to express it well because it's been allowed to fester for too long. What happens in uh, close relationships is that um, we, we, we blow up in anger and that expression of anger is very imprecise and it causes collateral damage, right? And so then we start to take issue and become even more angry because of the imprecision. Like, what does my cooking even have to do with this conversation? Or... Uh, what did my purchase three days ago have to do with this, right? And so in our anger, we're, we're, we're reacting to our intense displeasure. We're trying to destroy the cause of our anger. We're being very imprecise. And then that imprecision actually complicates the issue even further and causes more hurt leading to more anger. It's really difficult to carefully aim appropriate anger, to carefully understand the thing that needs to be addressed, needs to be eliminated. There's something that you have done that is wrong, and it's caused me pain. It's caused me displeasure, whatever, whatever word you want to use. It's, it's been hurtful, or, or it's, uh, it's been uncomfortable for me. And... Um, in my response to that, I need the grace and the maturity. I need the skill to be very careful that I'm responding to that thing. Uh, and, and in that thing, to let it, let it be known that, yes, I am, I am angry because it's not right. It's not appropriate. Uh, it's not godly. It was hurtful. Um, but in expressing that anger, even, even intensely expressing that anger, to be precise so that I don't do collateral, I don't cause collateral damage in a way that confuses the issue and leads to um, an even broader uh, uh, displeasure and discomfort and pain in the relationship. Here's an example quickly. Mark 3, verse 4 through 5. He said to them, is it lawful, this is uh, Jesus talking, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? 
Pharisees kept silent. And after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to this man, this, this man whose, whose hand was all messed up, he said, stretch out your hand, and he stretched out his hand, and it was restored. So the Pharisees confront Jesus, who's about to heal this man on the Sabbath. They don't like it. To them, that was a violation of the law because they had, they had turned the law into uh, weapons for oppression. And Jesus' response to that is anger. He's angry that their hardness of heart, their self-righteousness, their calloused conscience would lead to this man staying in his infirmity. And in, in his anger at their callousness, he very precisely aims his response of anger towards eliminating uh, the cause. Let's deal with this man's infirmity. Let's address it. You want to stay here and you want to watch? Fine. Uh, I'm going to heal this man. It's very precise in the way that he responds uh, in his anger. So, number one, anger is not to be our common response. Number two, uh, anger is a destructive force that is difficult to carefully aim. And number three, anger, unsanctified, will lay waste to all you love. Proverbs 19, 19, a man of great anger will bear the penalty. A man of great anger will bear the penalty of that great anger. And if you rescue him, you will only have to do it again. There is a great cost when anger is your common response and is used with imprecision. Anger unsanctified will lay waste to all you love over time. It's so destructive. There is an appropriate destructiveness for anger. That's what anger is for. But unsanctified anger destroys everything in its path. Well, how do I know that my anger is sanctified? There's two ways to know if your anger is sanctified. Number one, it's not your common response. It's not how you respond to everything you don't like. If anger is how you respond to everything you don't like, then you have unsanctified anger. And number two, it's expressed without collateral damage. If every time that you express anger, you do more damage than what the situation called for. You didn't, you didn't target carefully the source of that anger, but you, you, you carpet bombed the person who was the cause of that anger or the group or whatever. Uh, that's unsanctified anger. That's, that's anger with sin. So this is what I would say. If this, is the, if this is the challenge and has been the challenge for you. If anger is wreaking havoc in your life, if, it's, if it continues to, to cause collateral damage and you're paying the price for that, you're paying the penalty like Proverbs 19, 19 says, you're bearing the penalty of that anger. You need to understand something. Uh, anger is a vice. And it will only be overcome 
with careful attention to it, quality resources brought to that uh, struggle, and humble confession over time. So, so give it careful attention, that, that issue in your life, give it careful attention over time, bring quality resources to it, um, bring uh, people and uh, educational resources to that, and humble confession over time. If anger is a vice in your life, you need to come to terms with something. You're just going to have to start humbly confessing your mistakes out of anger uh, a lot for a while, for a period of time. Just embrace that and confess it, and then confess it again, and then confess it again. And if your anger has caused hurt in the lives of the people you love, and you want to see them overcome that hurt. You want to see them healed of that hurt. Uh, refer to my teaching from last week, because uh, that is a process on its own time frame, even as you're dealing with anger. Uh, the last thing I would say is that uh, one of the quality resources that I think is so profound and so valuable is the Fresh Start booklet that we have here at Church on the Rock. And uh, we'll make an electronic version uh, available uh, along with this teaching uh, on the page. Uh, the Fresh Start booklet is a way of uh, dealing with some unaddressed wounds in my own life uh, that may be a source of my ongoing uh, battle against anger. Um, we have other resources as well. Uh, we at Church on the Rock, that's what we love to do is come alongside of people who want to grow and overcome and then providing them with resources to overcome. So if that's you and you want some assistance with that, uh, reach out to us. Let us know. Uh, it's going to take your careful attention. It's going to take quality resources, and it's going to take humble confession over time. But the end result, the end result is that we, we get closer and closer to relationships characterized by the love and happiness um, that, that God has said is possible, um, that God has made possible as we reach out to him. So uh, I'm praying for you. Um, we're with you in this, uh, keep going after it.